Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. The Tories' decade-long grip on power continues for now. But what about their programme? The government has announced more cuts, but has also promised infrastructure investment. They have restored their majority, but their catastrophic divisions are already re-emerging. In fact, Sajid Javid, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, resigned in between recording this episode and it airing today. Meanwhile, the anger in the working class, documented each week in the socialist newspaper, continues to simmer. The ongoing Labour Party leadership contest is asking how can Labour win back the confidence of the working class? So, what is the way forward? This episode of Socialism looks at Britain. The new situation. Okay, hello, I'm Sarah Sachs Eldridge. I'm the Socialist Party's national organiser. I'm here with Peter Taff for this podcast today. Peter is the Socialist Party's general secretary. Hello, Peter. Hi. So what I thought we'd look at today is we're in this very specific, slightly strange moment in Britain today. Following on from the general election in December, we've got the new, old, old, new Johnson government. And I think, in general, there's a slight element of, you know, waiting to see what the new situation, what the main features of the new situation <coughs> are. So I thought it would be useful to discuss some of those things. The new Tory government, what's it like, what's it going to do, the opposition to the Tories, the Labour leadership, the fight against cuts, what cuts are happening, what levelling up is happening, all of those things, <coughs> and what socialists have got to say about all of that. So if that's all right with you, we'll kick off. It's a month in to the new year. Johnson's got Brexit under his belt, apparently. What do you see developing as the features of this Johnson government? Well, of course, the Johnson government has only recently come to power, as you've pointed out. And nothing has fundamentally changed, except the interpretation by the powers that be, by Johnson himself and by the Tory government, their interpretation of what exists and what they hope to achieve by their policies, not just in the next months, but as they envisage it, in a five-year period. Now, irrespective of their majority, and because of their majority, the splits will appear very quickly within the Tory party itself. As a result of the pressure of the objective situation, particularly the pressure of the discontented layers of the population, of the working class, which were not eradicated by the election. Let us remember that in the popular vote, they got 1%, really, over and above Labour and what they'd had in the past. So that's not a crushing majority. In terms of seats, it is. And events will change more rapidly than Johnson anticipates. For instance, his slogan was get Brexit done, and therefore it should be achieved quickly and easily. But there could be six months, nine months, a year, maybe longer, before Brexit is done in his terms, and may never be done in terms of the position of the economy, the position of working people, and in terms of the general prospects for Johnson himself. Because the problems are enormous. 
The press is full of them. You don't need socialists to propagandise against capitalism. When we can read in The Guardian today from Polly Toynbee, who's on the right of the Labour Party, who joined the SDP, they've split off from the Labour Party in the past, there's a Blairite and has reinforced and always supported a Blairite programme which is really Tory light. In some cases it's not even Tory light because it was to the right of even big sections of the Tory party on the Iraq war. And of course Tony Blair is considered as a war criminal by big layers of the labour movement and of young people in particular. But what does Polly Tornby say? I'll just quote some of the points that she makes. She says the economies in the North and the Midlands rely more on public services. So cuts hurt them particularly bad. Add to that the £12 billion in cuts to benefits, especially to tax credits, and low-wage areas suffered most. Local government is drained of funds, and the worst-hit places are the very same now that were promised investment. Liverpool lost most. Mm. West Dorset, a Tory area, surprise, surprise, gained most. So unless there's a massive U-turn in what the government is doing, then really the so-called funding review, the levelling up of the North mm. compared to the South and so on, which is going to bring a marvellous new change position for the people of the North, the Midlands and so on, the areas of, the, for instance, the so-called Red Belt. It's a mirage. Mm. It will not take place. It means more overtaking cash with the left hand out of poor towns and city districts and giving it to the Tory shires. I mean, this is not me who's quoting this. This yeah. is Polly Toynbee in The Guardian, where she says Tory plans to level up the north are laughably inadequate. And there's some astonishing facts here. Andy Haldane, head of the government's Industrial Strategy Council, therefore leans towards the Tories, warned in a report this week that regional inequality of income is at 1901 levels. That's 100 years ago. Other European countries face similar regional problems, but the position in Britain is worse. For instance, in Germany, this astonished me, Germany is a standout success compared to Britain. The gigantic effort over 30 years has resulted in its levelling up the east of the country, which was a byword for backwardness in 1989 when the Berlin War collapsed. And having started far behind Britain in this respect, the North and so on, actually Germany is now richer than the North of England. East Germany. East Germany, rather. <laughs> they spent ten times more than the British government is proposing on research and development. Gold-plated universities, says Polly Toynbee, and business support. Another so-called expert, the head of data in ODI Leeds, a specialist in regional policy, says Germany did it by using cities as hubs. He points to those cities needing fast train, tram and bus services to local towns. So really, in every respect, Britain started way behind and is going to be even further behind at the end of this so-called regenerating programme of the Tory government itself. Sajid Javid talks of human capital 
and how it's much needed in these areas. If it means, then the budget should re reallocate investments in people to the capital spending balance sheet. That will not happen. In fact, the situation will get worse. It would take 30% more just to get back to 2010 in further education spending, and that's not going to happen. In fact, Polly Tornby says this is an unreachable nirvana as far as the government is concerned. So they're going to miserably fail yeah. on all fronts, but they are attacking working people. Mm. We have pointed out in our issue of the paper this week some very, very good, tremendous articles, one written by yourself, <laughs> Sarah, which points out that 6.5 million workers in the UK who are part of the working poor. There are now more people who are both working and in poverty than people who are officially unemployed. There are more employed people in rent arrears than there are people officially unemployed. The figures are absolutely eye-watering. The mantra of the Tory party is making work pay. But it's not making work pay. It's actually aggravating the problems of people who are in work. It's aggravating the situation of people who haven't got a job. And it's in every page of our paper, a description of the conditions, the terrible conditions of working people today. And this working class is going to fight back. There's a certain amount of stunning of those who voted Labour. Mm. And we're looking towards an answer from the left. Mm. On the other hand, there is an expectation of those who voted, despite all their misgivings, against Labour and for the Tories. Mm. They are the ones who are going to be most cruelly disappointed. They will swing mm. in a much greater way towards the Labour movement, so long as it has the correct programme, towards mm. an anti-capitalist, anti-austerity programme. That will be the major phenomena of the period that we're moving into. So here's a question, though, with this new government, because absolutely it's, you know, presided, like you talk about bus service there in eastern Germany, something like 3,000 bus routes have been cut or, or removed over the last 10 years. Yes. You know, the austerity is devastating. But is there any chance, I think people will be wondering this, is there any chance that having been elected by former Labour voters that they could start to act in a different way in this new economic situation as well in the world, in Britain, like the nationalisation of the Northern Rail, like the situation with Flyby. Is this a government that you could see doing things that you wouldn't expect Tory governments to do? Well, they've made a lot of promises. Yeah, they have. The present Chancellor of the Exchequer, Sajid Javid, has actually said, we're going to abolish the beating programme. Mm as far as railways are concerned. And it's not real nationalisation. No. As you've pointed out in your article, it's not democratic mm. nationalisation or public ownership. It's not taking it over and giving compensation to the small shareholders on the basis of proven need. Mm. It's actually promising this marvellous programme of returning Britain back to the period when the railways were nationalised and when they were vilified yeah. by the Tories, <laughs> exactly. a total of something like 25 miles of track at the end of this programme will be introduced in Britain. It's not an answer to the beaching proposals, it's merely a palliative. Mm. It's crumbs off the very rich table of capitalism. Profits will go through the roof, whereas the cuts in the living standards of the poor of all the programmes of the government 
they will be not increased. We have a situation in housing which is an absolute catastrophe. Mm. We had programmes on the television over Christmas about Scrooge and so on, mm. and that wasn't an accident, no. that they were enormously popular. Mm. But Scrooge-like conditions exist in the number of homeless, in the number of people who are on the streets mm. and so on. And that's not going to be just easily tolerated by the mass of the people. If we weren't here, mm. if the socialists were not agitating against these conditions, that would not change the situation initially fundamentally. Because if this situation continues, there'll be uprisings. Mm. And I mean that, I've chosen my phrase very deliberately, uprisings of working people of the youth. We've noticed a step change since the election of the number of young people who've contacted us mm -hmm. and older workers. What have you got to say? We're fed up with the old parties and the old regime. We're looking for a new road for working people in the situation that has now opened up in Britain and to some extent worldwide as well. Some of the actions of Trump in the US mm. and the actions of Boris Johnson, they are acting as unconscious recruiting agents for the ideas of socialism, mm. of a planned economy, mm -hmm. of down with a system that's based upon production for profit mm. and not for social need. All of those questions working people are grappling with, looking for an answer, and are increasingly knocking at the door of the Socialist Party and of the Labour movement. Absolutely. And so I was also going to ask you about the trade unions today. Like you mentioned the paper, each week we're reporting on strikes. We're reporting on victories, but we're also reporting on quite bitter disputes. UCU are voting to come out again, I think, for 14 days. You know, these strikes are going on. What's the socialist call on the trade union leaders at this moment in time? Well, of course, the trade unions are crucial. Mm. Although they're in a weakened state today, partly because of objective conditions, because of deindustrialization. But it's not an accident that Lenny McCluskey, I'm reviewing this in our journal, mm. Socialism Today, has written a book of why you should join a trade union. Mm. That actually kind of is a modern version of what John Strachey wrote in the 1930s, why you should be a socialist, and for the same reasons. Mm. Well, it's not an accident that John Strachey wrote about why you should be a socialist, because it was a kind of given at that stage that the trade unions were widely supported, mm. although they faced attacks from the capitalists, mm. whereas today, trade unions, there's been a systematic attempt to weaken them, mm to decrease their numbers and so on. It's still the largest voluntary organisation of over 6 million mm. members affiliated to the TUC. Its potential power remains undimmed, it remains intact, and it's vital for working people, and particularly young people, to join a trade union. The young generation in particular, with their life before them, it is the basic defence organisations of the working people. But the fact that Lenny McCluskey the General Secretary of UNITE, his headline in the pamphlet or booklet he's done is why you should be a trade unionist. It's a very cogent case that he puts forward. He goes over the history of the British working class. He's a militant left General Secretary. Unfortunately, there are too few Lenny McCluskeys. Mm. There are people who are leading the trade unions today who are very comfortable in the milieu that exists where the trade unions are being weakened mm. 
and the right-wing trade union leaders are either not lifting a finger to assist in the building of the trade unions and these defence organisations, or are actually obstructing the attempt to kind of build the trade unions in Britain today. So, why you should be a trade unionist is a good call, mm. but what kind of trade unions should they be? Yeah, exactly. Working people don't want tame voices of the bosses to echo their excuses. They want fighting, militant trade unions. Mm. They want the trade unions to do what they threatened to do against the coalition government of 2010, mm. which as soon as it was elected was confronted by a mass movement of school students mm -hmm. in relation to tuition fees, and also mass demonstrations and calls for a general strike against the pensions attack, something that is taking place in France at this particular yeah. time and has provoked big strikes, could even result in an all-out general strike or a one-day national general strike, a bit like what happened in the course of the movement 10 or 15 years ago, 1995, yeah. against the so-called pension reform in France. In Britain, we had mass demonstrations. We had the demonstrations and the calls for general strikes in Hyde Park and so on. Unfortunately, the TUC did not follow through. Yeah. That's a trade union council, which is supposed to be the general staff of the trade union and labour movement and have retreated and become conservative in their approach towards this. They make speeches, they give many good facts and figures, but where is the call mm -hmm. for action? Where is the call for mobilising working people and giving a voice and a lead to this new generation, which once you arm them with an understanding, politically arm them with an understanding, and with a programme to fight against these cuts, are prepared to go into battle, rise like lions, as has been said in relation to Jeremy Corbyn's movement and the poets of the past. This is the kind of message that should be being put forward by the trade union movement. This enormous, colossal anger of working people against the conditions which I've mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. And I repeat, unless it's given a conscious expression, this opposition, it will take an incohate to begin with and a wild expression and result in uprisings. Mm -hmm of impatient layers, which then will move to organise, reorganise the trade unions, strengthen and build the trade unions, and we will assist in this process because a powerful trade union movement is absolutely essential. In fact, you have no democracy without strong trade unions. Strong trade unions give working people a voice, and then it's not just fighting against the individual employer. The trade unions created the Labour Party to give a political expression to the demands of the trade unions. Unfortunately, the Labour leaders throughout their history have continually let down the most militant fighting trade unions and will be let down today if, for instance, Jeremy Corbyn is replaced by a mini Tony Blair mm. in any one of the other candidates like Keir Starmer, who's got a radical past, who was a Trotskyist at one stage, believe it or not, but is now on the right. He covers his tracks with radical phrases, mm -hmm. but it does not follow through with an anti-capitalist, socialist programme that can really change the conditions of working people. That's right, and what you're saying about the unions and the role that they can play in organising a mass struggle is really important, and that's why it's so significant. We've reported this in the paper as well, isn't it, about the London and Eastern region of Unite, the union, 
backing a no-cuts councillor, backing the idea of councils refusing to carry yes. on passing on the Tory cuts. And we remarked in the paper as well that even the mayor of Liverpool, who's overseen millions of pounds of cuts, is now saying that at some stage he might not carry on yes. carrying on the cuts. And that's probably a reflection of the mood on cuts, isn't it? But it's also what you're saying. They need a strategy, don't yes, they? Yes, they do. They need a strategy and they need actions mm-hmm. in place of empty words. Mm-hmm. Because the amount of cuts that have been carried through, we're not making that point. Now, Polly Toynbee mm-hmm. is making that point. It's indisputable. Mm-hmm. And we have the phenomena, we have the obscenity, really, of some Labour councillors, representing the majority of Labour councillors, mm-hmm. who say that we are discriminated against. We haven't been given the due credit for what we've done for the Labour movement. Well, what have they done? Mm-hmm. They've allowed a lot of these cuts to go through, including Joe Anderson, mm-hmm. who, by the way, in his youth, if he ever had a youth, but in his youth, he was a member and supporter of the militant newspaper, as it was at that stage, which is the predecessor of the Socialist Party. He's the leader of Liverpool City Council. But the council that he's leading mm-hmm. is as different to chalk and cheese <coughs> as the council that was led and was influenced, decisively influenced by the ideas of militants in the 1980s that carried through a no-cuts budget and moreover no compensation through rent increases, rate increases and so on. It was a no-cuts budget. It organised a mass movement, including a local general strike, with mass support when the ideas of militants... We had 500 members in Liverpool. It was the small cog that moved the big cog of the Labour movement. There were 22 councils nationally initially, including the GLC of Ken Livingston, of David Blunkett mm. in Sheffield, who all subscribed to the campaign that we led against cuts, but are standing out against the government, and it mobilised mass support. If they would have stuck together with Liverpool, that could have defeated Thatcher mm. at that stage. As it happened, they by themselves, with certain support from Lambeth Council, mm-hmm actually carried through a marvellous programme of reforms in housing, in education, in sports centres and so on. Mm. Really, not in terms of ideas. They built a monument, not in terms of just ideas or a programme, but in the living reality of what working people in Liverpool saw around them. And Lenny McCluskey, when he spoke in Liverpool at a recent event, actually said there's no mystery to why Mm. Militant got the support in Liverpool. They got the support because the working people could see that they were acting in the interests of the working class, their families, mm-hmm. and the people in general in a deprived area of Merseyside. They were acting in their interests. We were responsible largely for leading that campaign. Of course, others participated in the campaign, and we blocked with anybody who was prepared mm-hmm. to fight. Mm-hmm. But it was the ideas mm-hmm. of militants that was responsible in that campaign, and we said when... Joe Anderson made a little squeak in the direction of saying, well, he's not going to implement the cuts. And then when you read the fine print, it was, we're not going to implement the cuts in 2021. So we postponed the struggle for two years. We nevertheless Mm -hmm. welcomed his call and said, we are prepared, notwithstanding any differences we had in the past, we are prepared to organise a united front with you and calling on other Labour councils nationally 
that they don't look towards how much they get in terms of expenses, which is unfortunately what most of them are concerned about. They're concerned about their own economic well-being and not the position of millions of workers who are suffering under the heel of the cuts of the Tory government itself. We say stand up as real representatives of Labour and we'll give you support. If you don't, we will oppose you and we'll go to the working class with a similar, brought up to date, a similar programme as a no-cuts legal budget, which because the cuts are so eye-watering, that's coming down the pipeline and applies to Tory councils as well as Labour, you've got a very simple choice. Either fight or you act as agents of the Tory party. And if you act as agents in this situation, you'll be excoriated, you'll be attacked, you will be those people who are seen as at least partially responsible for closing libraries, for closing youth centres, for closing down all the opportunities to the most deprived sections of the working class, particularly young people. You can't decry knife crime while at the same time you're closing down youth centres. 73% or something like that. Yeah, it's an absolute scandal. And the anger, I mean, I'm angry, and I'm far from being a youth, (laughs) but I'm angry on behalf of my grandchildren. I'm angry on behalf of their generation, and they're angry, and they will not tolerate this situation forever. Mm. And don't then start complaining about riots, Mm. about the discontent that exists amongst working people. Of course, we decry riots, but we say we recognise your anger because every generation has felt like you. It's a much worse position that you faced than I faced and we faced, even in the riots that took place in the 1980s in Toxteth, in Liverpool, in Bristol and in London. The basis for those riots was the deprivation that existed in working class areas. It's much worse now for substantial sections of the working class. Young people can't even get a foot on the ladder. There's tens of thousands who are living in tent cities in the middle of prosperity. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be tolerated indefinitely. So don't start talking about taking out the fire hoses to put out the fire when you've lit the fire or are lighting the fire at the present time. So either Joe Anderson and you, leaders of the councils, stand up, join in, lead the fight or get out of the way Mm -hmm. and let working people who are prepared to fight step up to the plate and lead a struggle in Britain against these conditions and for a change in society. I mean, it links in a way to the question of the Labour leadership, doesn't it? Because when you're saying about councils, either fight or you'll be excoriated, you'll be more than excoriated, won't you? We've seen it in various parts of the so-called Red Wall, that Labour councils have just lost their position, haven't they, in the councils? to Tories there can't be much of a worse proof of that but one of the questions that keeps coming up in the Labour leadership contest is how do we win back the trust of the working class and they seem to be you know pondering that don't they. In the Red War most of those former Labour voters who voted Tory probably gritting their teeth Mm. it was a vote of despair Mm. it was a vote you know tinged with hope Mm. that somehow Johnson they would offer something different. They believed some of the points that were put forward by Johnson and his cohorts. But now, even within a month of the election, they can see the outline of the conditions that they face, and many of them are already disillusioned. Those that are not 
will be cruelly disillusioned by the march of events in the next period. You do not win an election, we've made this point many times, just in terms of what you say in the election campaign. And there was many good things in the Labour manifesto, but it was cut across by opposition to Brexit, left the field free to the Tories and so on. And the candidates for the Labour leadership are scrambling around to try and catch up, but none of them are really putting forward a clear programme and a perspective of the way forward for the Labour movement. You do not win an election in the election campaign itself. It is the product of the whole preceding period and the stand that you take in terms of winning the confidence of working people. You can't just turn on yeah. a tap, which is the working class, and expect them to support you. You win their trust, not in one action, over a long period of time. That's why in Liverpool, mm. in this general election, one of the standout indications was that Liverpool bucked the national trend. Before the council battle of the 1980s, Liverpool was a Tory city mm -hmm. in the sense that the majority, the overwhelming majority of the parliamentary seats were held by the Tories. And only the battle that we led in the council struggle with Terry Fields in Broad Green mm -hmm. and others standing, our allies, did we transform Liverpool into a Labour bastion. Mm -hmm. That was a product of the past. And it was a completely different type of party organising, wasn't it? It exactly. was the Labour Party organising in the workplaces, in exactly. the communities. And one thing that you said to me before is about how it was democratic, that people had a say in what exactly. the programme was. Which is... I mean, we were accused of running an undemocratic caucus in Liverpool. That's mm. the Liverpool members of the Socialist Party. We had 500 members. That 500 members, they were committed supporters of militants. And those 500 were in touch with others and we had the leadership of the District Labour Party. Then the right wing of the Labour Party were forced to tolerate District Labour Parties. The District Labour Party passed a programme which was carried out by the Council. The Council was not 100% militants in the sense that they were all committed supporters. In fact, we had a minority on the Council. But the arguments that we put forward were so forceful and so corresponded to what the other councillors felt, and the working class of Liverpool, more important, mm. felt, and of Merseyside, mm. that we won this overwhelming support. We had two newspapers <laughs> in Liverpool. We had the Mersey Militant, that was produced regularly, and we had the National Militant, which was an indication of our influence. If that would have been allowed to continue, we would have transformed not just Liverpool, but it would have national mm. ramifications, and it did. But what Kinnock did and what the right wing of the Labour Party did, together with the ruling class, is they tried to cut off the head mm -hmm. by expelling me and five members of the Militant Editorial Board, that's four other of our leadership, and hope in that way the Militant would die in Liverpool and that would infect the whole of the Labour movement. It didn't. Even after the councillors, like Tony Mulhern and Derek Hatton, were expelled, the people who followed them followed the policies of the Liverpool City Council and they won the election. When in the rest of the country, Labour was losing to the Tories and the Liberals. And then when eventually they'd expelled enough to get a majority for them in the Labour Party, then even then, Liverpool did not return to a Tory city. All of those who were pro-Tory in the last election in the Merseyside area, like in Birkenhead, my own hometown, mm -hmm. 
the right winger was defeated there and was defeated elsewhere. That's a legacy of the past. That's what would be created in Britain if we had a consistent leadership of a left character along the lines of what the militants and now the Socialist Party have organised. But in any case, that will come under the hammer blows of events. And some of these Labour councillors are carrying through cuts now. It's much worse than it was in the 1980s. They will never be forgiven for what they're doing to the lives, the architecture of working people's living standards, the position that exists in the areas, not just the working class, but sections of the middle class. They will never be forgiven for this. We, on the other hand, will rebuild the base that we had in the past amongst the youth and amongst the working class generally. And in a way, it's pretty simple really isn't it what do working class people what do the majority of society need jobs homes public services and end to austerity how are we going to get it not by giving in to austerity. those things yeah exactly <laughs> but by name. building a mass struggle that's yes, what that's we're, right. we're saying today there's no other way basically exactly is there? and if you're not prepared to do that then step out of the way yeah. nobody's compelling people to lead the labour movement. Many of them are doing it at the present time because it puts money in their pocket, but it's taking money out of the pockets and the living standards of the working class. Leon Trotsky once made a very simple, basic, but necessary point. Say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. Just saying what needs to be said is not enough. Promising to do what needs to be done is not enough. Both together say and do and carry out your wishes, you can build an absolutely impregnable base amongst working people because they've had a lot of experience in the last 15 to 20 years and that's an experience of capitalism. Let's call it mm. by its right name, a system based upon production for profit mm. and not for the social need of the mass of the population. That's a system which is in crisis now mm. in America, mm. in Europe, in Britain, in the neo-colonial world. And in relation to climate change and what is being bequeathed to young people by this generation, you win the confidence of these people and show in action what you're prepared to do. You can build an impregnable basis that can transform society, transform Britain and transform the world. That's the perspective that must underwrite what we're doing today in relation to the struggle for socialism in Britain. OK, I think that's what we've got time for today but I think that's been really useful in terms of where we are and what needs to be done which is <laughs> the question that you just finished with thank you very much Peter okay thank you Sarah Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party the England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers International this week we heard from Peter Taff speaking to Sarah Sachs Eldridge and I'm James Ivans if you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for we need you. Join our campaign to build a truly effective working class fighting force in the trade union and labour movement. Join the Socialist Party now. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribing so you don't miss out. And don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. We want you to send us recordings from picket lines and campaigns and reports of your activity. 
and we want your questions, comments and ideas for future episodes. Email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Socialism the podcast has no wealthy backers. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people and we're proud of the political independence that gives us. So if you like what you hear, help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.